This is Bless You Boys Podcast 112, recorded Friday, May 16th, 2014. Cobb and Geringer, a list of two. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Swing Bless You Boys podcast, where the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog, covers the past week or so of Detroit Tigers baseball and whatever else happens to be on our mind, like Little League or who knows what we'll end up talking about. Regardless of all that, I'm your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. As always, joining me is the, well, from from all accounts, it to be believed, this man is the next Earl Weaver of Little League. And that would be hook slide. How's things going? It's Earl Weaver because of the way that I challenge the imps. You know, <laughs> I'm always kicking dirt on them and cussing them out and that kind of thing. Mm. Oh yeah, and we score a lot of runs yes. too. So. <laughs> yeah, you go by the three home run, uh, the three run home run philosophy, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, I, mean, even I, though, I don't think. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't think any of my kids can hit the ball over the fence just yet. But we'll, you know, we'll take a bases clearing triple any day of the week. <laughs> All right, well, maybe you're the Brad Ausmus of Little League, but well, that seems <laughs> right. to be seen here. Or, or going by your use of the bullpen, maybe you're the Jim Leland of... Uh, of All right. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> All right, we'll push it too far. <laughs> All right, as always, um, if you want to uh, contact us with any um, love letters or hate mail, uh, please email us, bybtigers at gmail.com, bybpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on the Twitter, X Bless You Boys. Ten and on the day, you never know who you might run into running the Twitter. And, of course, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers. And as I always say, just search for Bless You Boys on Facebook, and it'll take you right there. And as always, please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and, of course, you can always subscribe to the website and the podcast. So do all those technical things, and you'll be set for life. All right, uh, with that hook side, I guess we can talk a little baseball. And it was actually a pretty good week, all in all, since we last talked. Uh, regardless of losing two of three to the Twins, and the Tigers were, were kind of due to uh, uh, lose a few games after coming off an eight-game winning streak. I mean, that's baseball. They're not going to win every game. Regardless of that, though, they rolled into uh, first place Baltimore, you know, the first place Tigers in the Central, taking on the first place in the East, Baltimore Orioles. And they swept the Orioles in a three-game series. Um, the Tigers right now, Hook Slider, they're steamrolling the AL Central. They're six games up, eight ahead in the loss column on the Royals. And they really can, seem to be the only team player – well, I wouldn't say seem to be. They are the only team player in 500 in the division. So – uh, between how things stand now, as we were recording this on Friday afternoon before the Tigers start their series in, Bo- in, uh, in Boston, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, once again, there's not a lot to complain about with this I team. You. There, <laughs> makes, yeah. you know, there's the occasional bullpen hiccup, and sometimes the bats go flat. But overall, 
what's there to bitch about? Nothing really. It's it's not giving us a whole lot to uh, write about, mm-hmm. you know, at the website or, or talk about on the podcast. Because when things are going this well, you know, what, what what can you do but kind of stand around and just sort of you know bask in the glow and say, aren't we awesome? Yeah. Yes, we are. This is great. <laughs> yeah. All right. And that's a wrap. So yeah. we'll talk to you guys next week yeah. on the Bless Your Voice podcast. Yeah, essentially. That's pretty much, you know, really the only news of the last day and a half has been uh, Luke Pukkonen uh, going to see Dr. James Andrews next week. And Pukkonen mm-hmm. is like the 25th man on the roster. And it really, when you're talking about long relief, you know, you're talking about uh, just a chess piece of the base of the roster, so to speak. You know, this he's replaceable, but you know, as sad as it is, I mean, we're all rooting for Luke Pukkonen. But that's the sort of thing that's going out of this team. Everything seems to be going very, very well, and even the speed bumps aren't very bumpy. It's turning into a very bad year for our, our own Phil Coke's brain. Yeah, yeah. With the way that Phil Coke himself has been performing, and now with uh, Pukkonen, possibly, maybe, yeah. fingers crossed, hope not, but you know, going down. Uh, you know, with surgery, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we should look into uh, talking to, to Phil Coke's brain about this because maybe he's a bad luck charm. I'm not sure. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, and actually, this just happened. It came across on Twitter a few minutes, a few seconds ago. Uh, where, since we're talking about where the Tigers stand in the AL Central, uh, the team expected to be one of their biggest competitors for the division title. The Cleveland Indians just sent Danny Salazar, their great pitching hope, back to AAA. So I, I missed that. Yeah, yeah it, it ju- I just saw it. I have I have my Twitter. Um, I have TweetDeck open and it just came across. And Salazar, who who has pitched very well against the Tigers, you know, there was that uh, the infamous game last year where Salazar looked to have a win locked up until uh, he was uh, uh, Francona, Terry Francona left him in too long, and he, and Michael Cabrera does what Michael Cabrera does. Uh, and apparently Salazar has just been getting clubbed as of late, and the Indians are see if he needs more. And he is a young, talented pitcher. You know, they may have pushed him, but that's just another sign, looks like that uh, this Central Division is lousy. That's got, I mean, that's a huge blow for the Indians. It is. He was supposed to be one of their top pitchers this year, mm-hmm. I think. And certainly, because he, he had the one game against Detroit this year, and I remember Dan and Jim talking about him in terms of yeah. that, you know, saying going forward, he's going to be a huge piece yeah. for them. So that's the... Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was a Ubaldo replacement, Ubaldo, you know, so Jimenez. So, uh, God, that, that team's in sad sedge. You know, when you're dependent on Nick Swisher... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bro, don't go there, bro. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll stay away from the king of the bros. But, yeah, really, the only team that has... Uh, seems to be even remotely kind of playing well, and that's the Royals, and they're only at 500. And as we've talked about in previous podcasts, their their fan base is already ready to move on from the Ned Yost era. So uh, this is, uh, yeah, you know, as uh, as Hookslide said, no, this is like, you know, this is all lollipops, unicorns, and rainbows for the Tigers right now. Uh, even when things aren't going their best, the rest of the division can't do a damn thing to catch up. So. Yeah, we can find some things to complain about, though, can't we? Yeah, maybe. You know, uh, we'll, 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 I mean, look, here, here, they they lost the series to Minnesota. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that's that's not supposed to happen. No, but that's baseball. That's what Kurt that's, would say. Right, that's baseball. <laughs> I, I I did I do say I have to agree with mm-hmm. what uh, Dan and Jim said on the radio when that when that went down, and they said, you know, you're going to lose games and, and that kind of thing, but you know when you're when you're facing struggling teams mm-hmm. like the Astros, like the Twins. You need to beat up on them when you have a chance. Yeah. 
you oh, need to be taking mm-hmm. those those games as as often as possible. So to lose a series against the Twins, yeah, it's baseball, but whoops. <laughs> you know, now we're going up against, uh, well, I mean, Baltimore turned out all right. But well, that Boston, does bring up you know. kind of the, uh, I think, uh, a nagging issue of this team, and that's been the offense. I mean, uh, they are they seem to be scoring runs, but they're not getting a lot of hits. I mean, and like I think two or th- I think three games of the Astros series they got out hit. The Twins out hitting them in a game or two. I know the Orioles out hit them in a couple games. I think if there's one little nagging thing about this team that I'm still a little concerned about, and that is I don't think the offense is still hitting on all cylinders, and that's even with Miguel Cabrera waking up. And that I think could be right. could lead to we're going to talk about shortstop a little uh, later in the podcast. And oh yay! Well, why don't we talk about that right now since we're listening <laughs> about stuff to complain about? All right. And shortstop, I think is the one position that everybody is pointing at right now that is a black hole in the lineup, and there is an obvious solution out there if the Tigers want to go in that direction. Uh, and actually, Rob on the site wrote about it uh, in the last day. You know, is that Should the Tigers start thinking about Stephen Drew, specifically because right now the Tigers' shortstops are hitting. Well, I, I think hitting is being generous. They are, on offense, they are only hitting 212, with a 277 on base percentage and the slugging 246, I think we could slug 246 in the big leagues. God forbid. That's with no home runs and the WAR is a is negative 0.2. That's third worst in baseball. And obviously, this is, these are all Rob stats. Uh, the best offensive player the Tigers have at shortstop right now, hooks like, is Danny Worth of all people. Who I I think many of us are in agreement. I think the Tigers have undervalued somewhat over the years. And when he has played, he has played at least respectably. And that's at he's hitting 286, um, getting on base with a 304 clip. Uh, obviously, he's not slugging much, but he's not going to do that. He's only slugging 333. But that's in just nine games. Andrew Romine seems to for a while look like he might be the solution, and he has been fine with the glove. There's been the occasional bobble here and there. But he's been absolutely brutal at bat, hitting 209, only getting on base at 293 clip, and he's slugging 224. Is the time to sign Drew coming here, Hook Slide? Because that is the obvious solution. And also, the Tigers could use a left handed bat. I think that's one of the other little holes in this team that, that needs to be addressed sometime this year. Drew's not a great hitter, but he's an average hitter, and he's an elite defensive, um, defensive shortstop. Uh, there's a lot of uh, issues that would need to be figured out here between length of contract, how much he's going to get paid, how long do you wait before you decide to make it? Are you, do you say throw caution to the wind and go for it, or do you wait those three more weeks for the draft? So do you well, think Drew is coming or not? Do I think he's coming? Um, flip a coin mm-hmm. as, to, as to whether or not it actually happens. Do I think it should happen? No, I don't. No, I'm I'm very much of the school that says if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the situation at shortstop is necessarily broken right now. Um, no, I know they're not you know an offensive powerhouse, but this gets back to the kind of the idea of you know you can't expect all star production at every spot in the lineup. Hey, and I feel hey, like, hey, yeah, you t- you tell that to the people at M Live and everything. Uh, I know, I know, <laughs> but I feel like you know what's kind of happened is people that are looking at shortstop have almost they've caught the Avila disease. Yeah, you know, of, of ignoring the the kind of defense that we're getting out of shortstop, which has been I think pretty damn good. I agree with that. Um, and I, you can talk about you know maybe he bobbled one or two or whatever, but uh, you know I, I've seen some pretty good range on Andrew Romine. I've seen a, a cannon for an arm. You know, I have no complaints with what he's doing defensively. So, you know, I'm okay with the fact that he's, you know, uh, what, a career 230-something hitter? 
Yeah, something to that effect. But the thing is, it makes it so hard to kind of work it out, Mm -hmm. is is that uh, Romine has not played a full season yet. Mm -hmm. He's been around since 2010. He has yet to actually put in a full season's worth of work where you can say, you know, his his statistics have stabilized to any degree. And even in his period with the Angels, you know, they moved him around so much. Yeah. Uh, I was I was saying in the comments thread the other day that he's actually played more innings at shortstop now with the Tigers than he ever did with the Angels combined. Yeah. So he's finally getting you know some some stable um, consistent work there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he hit two fifty nine with them last year, so it's, I think it's too early to be kind of throwing him out and saying he's he's not going to be good enough you know offensively. It's it's too soon, and why waste the money on on a part time well, not part time but a part season I guess. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying because if you sign Stephen Drew, you're not getting a full season's worth, you know, out of him. It's it's basically until the playoffs and until next year when hopefully Iglesias comes back. Yeah, yeah, and but I, I kind of fall uh, into your uh, side of the argument here. You know, yeah, would I like to see a little more offense from shortstop? I think so, but I think they can get enough, and really from Danny Work more than anything else. And I'm with you. I think Andrew Romine has been perfectly fine defensively. And, but one thing to keep in mind as well, he's he's not as old. He's not as young as people make him out to be. He's 28 years old. So, you know, he's one of those. I think he's a 24th, 25th guy in a roster kind of player. And I think you probably see the same about Danny Worth. But right now, uh, I, I, at least I think we're in agreement that to throw millions of dollars at Stephen Drew for. You know, what, what, to say the short the shortstop levels off, the Tigers end up at replacement level. You know, right at zero war, so to speak. How much over war do you think they would get from Stephen Drew? I really can't see him being that making that that big of an impact in four months of play. Yeah, that, so, and that's a huge you know? part of kind of deciding this question. Yeah. You know, whether you think it's a good idea or a bad idea is. I know that, that Drew's stats are going to be slightly better mm-hmm. than Romine or Worth, but I'm not seeing the huge leap you know, in, mm-hmm. in progress there that makes me think, yeah, absolutely, go get him. Yeah. You're, you know, we're, we're looking for basically Alan Trammell here. You know? <laughs> Someone who's an elite defender plus is going to hit you know, 20 home runs and over 300 in the batting average. Well, we're not going to get that. Yeah. So is it really worth you know, all this trouble to go get somebody who's marginally better? Yeah. Yeah, and there are a lot. As I mentioned earlier, there's going to be there would be some headaches involved because you're talking about Drew wanted a a multi-year contract. The Tigers are in no way in a position to do that because of well Jose Iglesias, and from all accounts, he's his rehabbing is going okay, and he's on track to be back for next year. And I, you know, and we're, you're talking about a top one or two defender at shortstop in him, so. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I don't think Drew is going to settle for being a backup shortstop. Yeah, exactly. So if, a long-term contract out of the question from the Tigers. Right, right. And I've seen that idea kicked around that maybe you can get him for multiple years and then he can just kind of be a backup to Iglesias, but yeah. he's not going to do that. No, not. I don't. I don't think. Not, not when, the, not for the, especially with the kind of money he's looking to get. That's not a backup player. Right, and he's not good enough to be like a a DH, like a Carlos Guillen, where you could have made him a DH or something like that. He's actually right. going to so, well, yeah, and the, and the caveat, I guess, to all of this is it really depends on the on the money involved and the time involved. If, if they can somehow pull off a reasonable yeah. deal, you know, and, and not have to buy him for a couple of years and too much money or whatever, then then fine. Yeah. Get him. I'm not going to, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like flip the coin again, you know. I'm not going to complain if they happen to get him for a reasonable deal, but I'm not saying, no, why, why bother at this yeah. point? Yeah, as, as long as the Tigers are getting – 
above average defense from the guys they have. I think that, and I think we're in agreement there. I think that's what the Tigers are getting. Then, you know, I, I think the Drew thing really may cause more headaches than it's really worth. Right. And if you want to upgrade offense, I mean, I can understand yeah. that, you know, mm-hmm. but I think there's other places to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than at your, at your shortstop position. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, left fourth outfielder field. or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, because uh, we haven't really talked about this in the last couple of podcasts, mm-hmm. but um, well, there, there really seems to be um, a general thought in the fan base that when Andy Dirks comes back, he's going to be like, I don't know, the second coming of the Messiah or something. Yeah. And I just don't see that happening. I, I think there's going to be far less production as, as Rajay Davis will go through his inevitable regression. Which has already started, actually. It's already started. Yeah. So he's going to regress, and he'll be platooning with, with Andy Dirks, who I think is going to take several months mm-hmm. to you know kind of get his uh, groove, his timing, his whatever, you know, kind of swing back. Um, I think that's going to become way more of an issue than, than shortstop you know, in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah, as someone, you know, as a personal note, as someone who has been through multiple back surgeries, those aren't pieces of cake. Even though he is an elite athlete who has all the support and uh, access to the best of rehab, you don't know how players are going to react to a back injury. You know, I was never the same person after mine. So there's a lot of questions up in the air when it comes to that as well. And if the, you know, I think I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I think if the Tigers did want to upgrade this lineup, a corner outfielder who hits left-handed and has a little bit of pop, that would be the way to go. But then again, I think everybody wants one of those. Yeah, but I think the Tigers are going to have to invest in that for the future anyway. Yeah. What with you know the Tory Hunter situation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of we're watching him go on the decline, and he's mm-hmm. getting older. So you got you know you got a right field spot that needs to be dealt with at some point. Yeah, you've got the left field situation that probably should be dealt with, you know, in terms of upgrading the offense. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm going yeah, let's focus there, and and why you know why worry about what's going on at shortstop? It's it's a perfectly acceptable shortstop situation yeah. right now. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I, I I'm to the point now where I'm almost holding my breath every time a ball is hit to right field and Torrey Hunter's out there. <laughs> well, it, it depends on if you get the Torrey Hunter who knows that he's pushing forty, yeah, or the one that thinks he's still you know twenty two. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and thinking about it, I'm lucky I haven't passed out a few times. So the thing has been that scary with Torrey Hunter as a defensive outfielder, and that's the weird part of Torrey Oxlade uh, is that you would think. Uh, you know, when players age, you would think the offense would be the first to go. In this case, in Torrey Hunter's case, it's been the defense. And uh, and we're talking about a guy who is an elite gold glove winning center fielder who now is being compared to Quinton Berry, Bren, uh, Brennan Bosch, and Delman Young. Well, that's that's why you're noticing that yeah uh, that the defense is the first thing to go it, mm-hmm. is because that was kind of his uh, mm-hmm. his calling card yeah you know so I, I I fear for the day when when he makes this decision very very easy mm-hmm. for everyone by you know sliding into a wall again and, and breaking something you know <laughs> trying to do something that he should not be trying to do yeah yeah and and the weird thing with Hunter is that it's not always you know like like you brought up the sometimes he tries to make plays that maybe. Uh, a 29-year-old hunter makes, not a 39-year-old hunter. But there seems to be these breakdowns in fundamentals with this. I think he's allergic to hitting a cutoff man, for example. He, Yeah, he might be. Or, again, maybe that's just part of the same mm-hmm. problem of, you know, hey, my arm's only 25 years old. Yeah. I can make that throw. He does have a pretty good arm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 
but he had a better arm than yeah. <laughs> before. There's, I mean, there, there will still be the, the occasional time, even in the last week, where there's a, a base hit into right field, and suddenly, wow, the ball got back really quick, you mm-hmm. know, and a run didn't score because of it. But, yeah, for the most part, I think he's he's trying. He's pushing too hard. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, and I, I, this is what, you know, we do have to keep in mind, I think none of us expected the Tigers to get the type of uh, – uh, offensive performance out of Torrey Hunter. He's given no one saw him as a 300 hitter who would give you an 800 OPS. Yet that's what he's done since the Tigers have signed him. You know, you'll just have to live with that defense. But if you can get away with someone who can't play defense, you, you stick them in right field. And as a little league manager, I'm sure you're very aware of that. <laughs> that's right. I would, I would like to have Torrey Hunter in my right field. <laughs> All right. Let, let's touch a little bit on the, uh, and the, the series we uh, just witnessed with the Orioles that the Tigers swept. And once again, I, I don't know why I'm even surprised, but I still get surprised by what he pulls off. But Miguel Cabrera did it again. The Tigers were all but left for dead, down one nothing with two outs in the ninth inning. I believe it was the second game of the series. And Cabrera hit a three-run bomb off closer Tommy Hunter to beat the Orioles. I mean, it, this is a win that almost came out of nowhere. Everybody... And this is another thing that we should know by now, that the, you can never call the Tigers dead until that, that 27th out has been um, has been recorded because we have seen this time and time again from this game, and not just from Cabrera, that they will, they, they will kick up their heels late in games when you least expect it. But with Miguel Cabrera, this is absolutely nuts. Uh, I can't believe, you know, that's... Uh, that that win is going to be one of the highlight wins of the season. And when we look back, at, you know, isn't that funny? Yeah, because I heard that from a lot of people. Like that's the best win of the year, and I actually didn't think so. Yeah, it, it was certainly the most dramatic mm-hmm. in the sense of you know the big man came up with two outs and hit the home run. That you know that that's the stuff of movies. That's yeah. awesome. But I thought you know when they came back against the White Sox with with that. Uh, that safety squeeze bunt, mm-hmm. you know, was far more, you know, that yeah. for me, that was the win of the season. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. The, I think it was Matt Mowry who, who posted on Twitter and said that that was the 13th time this year mm-hmm. that the Tigers have come back from, you know, and won the game coming from behind. And you go, yeah. wow, it's, it's only the middle of May and they've done that 13 times already. Yeah. You really cannot count this team out until that last out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's not just this year. We have seen that pretty much since uh, Jim Leland appeared on the scene that uh, this team very rarely uh, writes it in, so to speak. And that's a game where the Tigers could have just said, no, this is not just not going to be our day. And uh, But, you know, and it, it took some breaks. You know, they got uh, uh, Alex Avila, which, you know, we're, we're on Team Avila. Yeah, yeah he, he played that totally to script, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> you were watching the, the the game on television when he came up to bat. I remember Rod Allen said, "Boy, if Avila can just somehow get on base, yep. and then we get and then we can get Rajay Davis to yep. run for him." And sure enough, yeah, just beat the shift, just beat the shift, and that's sure what enough he got on base, and then Davis came in to run for him, and you know, yep. I know that replay call at second was huge. Yeah, and now I got a an email from someone saying complaining that I thought it was. Uh, correctly overturned, and I was, it was probably an Orioles fan that wrote that. But uh, you know, and obviously our eyes are always going to be clouded somewhat by the team we root for. But uh, you know, uh, the, um, the full umpiring crew in New York agreed with that that uh, he got his hand in there. And this is one of those cases, and we've seen it a couple times this year, where replay has saved the Tigers' bacon. 
But uh, that is interesting how it all played out because that was right to script. Because all the Tigers wanted to do was try to get to Cabrera <laughs> between Davis Staley second and Torrey Hunter, who had been, you know, we a lot of us have been complaining about by his performance in that series. You now, between the beanball incident, which we'll get into, uh, he had a marvelous at bat and managed to work a walk. That was phenomenal. Yeah, that, and that right there was the game, I think. Yes, uh, I think because people have rightly pointed out that, that Hunter maybe is the kind of guy who tends more to want to try and win the game himself in that That's situation. That's last year where he actually did that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. He'll, he'll take the big cuts and maybe swing at stuff that he shouldn't, but he uh, well, he played that perfectly and worked the walk and, and got the bat you know, to, uh, to Cabrera, which is what we wanted to see happen. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I was talking with our own uh, Catherine, uh, Slonksness, you know, and uh, saying this is one of those weird games where when Mickey came to the bat, I was not even – I was in a total, like, calm place of, like, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. This is There was just yeah. a sense of something is going to happen here. When he hit the home run, I didn't even, like, jump up and scream. I was like, yep, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't get that very often, yeah. you know, but there was just that sense of this This is going to go the Tigers' way now that they, mm-hmm. they've – They've made the impossible happen. They've got Avila on base. They've got Torrey to work the walk. You know, it's it's going their way. Yeah, and yeah, I think we'd say that about the entire season for the most part. It's going their way. And for everybody who was worried about Miguel Cabrera, who, you know, who looked very human for most of April, since May started, he's, uh, his OPS is one, 1.003. It's over 1,000. So, so we're back to Mickey territory. Yeah, we're back to Mickey territory. And he leads the American League. I think he leads the majors in RBIs for the month and 20. So, yeah, Mickey's back. I, I don't, it's, you know, and I do get the occasional person that contact. He doesn't look right. He doesn't look right. And it's, I, I'm sure, you know, he, the guy's recovering from a major, from major surgery. And we saw, you have to believe, folks, slide, that what he went through at the end of last year affected his swing. And he had to correct back. And I think yeah. he's got that figured out now. Or, or very, very close to it. Yeah. You know, like you said, there, there, there are still the occasional appearances at yeah. the plate where eh, he's swinging at some silly mm-hmm. stuff that you don't right. typically see Miguel Cabrera, mm-hmm. you know, take a swing. And this is one of the best hitters in baseball. Yeah. You talk about a guy who knows the science of hitting inside and out, can recognize pitches before they've even left the pitcher's hand. Mm-hmm. You know, so to see him taking cuts at some really nasty stuff, you go, okay, he's, he's not quite there, but... Well, this got to be 96, 97% by this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, I think it's safe to say Miguel Cabrera is fine. And uh, contracts and injury and throw that all out the window, Miguel Cabrera is going to be Miguel Cabrera. All right, so the other big incident that happened in the Oreo um, series was the beanball, I guess you could call it a beanball war, or at least a purpose-pitch war. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, both teams were guilty of throwing "quote unquote" purpose pitches, uh, even though no one really admitted to it. Uh, the main offenders being for the Orioles, Bud Norris, and for the Tigers, Justin Verlander. Uh, at least Verlander didn't hit somebody. He threw behind Nelson Cruz. But I don't know about you, Hotsai, but I thought Verlander's uh, purpose pitch backfired badly, and, and essentially so. fired the tire, uh, fired the Orioles up, and almost cost them that game. Mm, I disagree. Really? I disagree. No, I mean, to me, that's that's maybe more of the old school thought, you know, of saying, well, that, that was the quote unquote spark that the Orioles needed to get, you know, get angry, and hit the ball. I think that's just coincidence. Yeah. Because um, Verlander was doing just fine, you mm-hmm. know, uh, prior to that, holding them down. But 
I don't know. You have to like wonder if it would have turned out differently if he had hit yeah. Cruz. I think yeah. he was supposed to. Yeah. I yeah. really do believe that really? he was intended mm-hmm. to hit him, yeah. and he missed. <laughs> Justin Verlander. Yeah, it's possible. Well, what about the Bud Norris um, uh, when he plunked Tory Hunter? And right in the ribs, thank you very much. That looked painful. And as, as Hunter mentioned in the postgame, he said, you go to a batting cage and stand in front of a 94-mile-an-hour fastball and let it hit you in the ribs and see how you take it. And uh, which he's got a point. So, yeah, and and Norris is like, oh, it just slipped, but obviously it came right after a big home run that really put the game into Tigers' control. So, uh, I think that one was really obviously a purpose pitch, and he was actually lucky he wasn't tossed. Right. Well, well he, he ended up being tossed. tossed because of what happened after the fact. Well, yeah, you're right. Probably right. was the purpose pitch he got tossed because of. Well, what was your take on the whole thing and Tory Hunter uh, losing his temper and? And we had a baseball fight, which meant a lot of yelling and nothing else. Well, you know, I wrote that post the next day kind of mm-hmm. explaining. Yes, the unwritten know, rules. Yeah, yeah, kind of delving into what you know how that whole system works, because it is kind of you know convoluted and complicated. Uh, and the, the point that I wanted to make right up front in that post was that regardless of whether uh, Norris meant to do that or not, yeah, it turned into an incident. You know, just because the bench is cleared and so forth. So whether he meant to or not mm-hmm. is is beside the point. At that at that point, mm-hmm. you know, it became an incident. Now we are in the territory of you know the unwritten rules. Yeah. Did he really mean to do it? I would. I don't know. I, I would be surprised. Mm-hmm. I, I know that pitchers will sometimes throw at, at the next batter after a home run, but I thought, you know, that. You remember that happened last year mm-hmm. in the game against Baltimore at Camden Yards when the, the Tigers went back to back to back. Yeah against Hamill, and, and then he threw at the next guy. And I thought that was a little more obviously, you know, him trying to reestablish dominance. Yeah. For Norris to do that after just one home run late in the game, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would be surprised if that was on purpose. But the fact is, you know, Hunter took, you know, a couple steps towards the mound. Mm-hmm. The bench is cleared. Now it's an issue. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. now we've exchanged words. You mm-hmm. know, people are going to get their, you know, what's whooped, you know, and so forth. So... Once once the bench is cleared, that's when it became. Yep, there, there's going to be payback. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I like how you put it. Uncharted, I mean, unwritten rules territory. Because it's funny that there seems to be these, uh, uh, un, you know, there's this this rule book that's mythical that we've never seen that requires players and teams to act in a specific way after a certain action goes down that isn't covered by the rules and being hit by a pitch seems to be one of them. Uh, and actually you could even go in, in that series, you could go back to before Norris, man, wasn't it Justin Miller who came in high and tight a couple times on somebody and that, Kroll, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it was Ian Kroll that maybe yeah. pitched a couple of, yeah, I thought right. he was, it was just... Kroll. Yeah. Cause it was a lefty coming in on a lefty. If I remember right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And I, th- I think he was just having crappy command. That but that's the issue that there, was... but the Orioles could take that in a different way, but that's the thing. It's one thing for Ian Kroll or Justin Miller to throw inside and you could make the excuse of, yeah, that's because he, he doesn't pitch very well. But when you're talking uh, Verlander and Norris starting pitchers, and Norris was very, very good for most of that game, that's when you start to think, I don't know if, I, if it really got away from him. And then, obviously, the dominoes tumble. But you're right, the, the unwritten right. rules really do seem to be uh, silly. And at the very least, after the Verlander incident, umpires immediately took control and said, okay, that's it, anything else happens. And, but, and then, let me ask you this, though. That means when they do that, it kind of takes the inside pitch away from the starter. 
Verlander, for example. It, Do you it think does. that might have affected how that how the game proceeded from there? Because five of the next ten hitters got base hits. I, I still don't think so. No. No, I mean he seemed to do fine after the uh, the incident, you know, with Nelson Cruz. Um, he, re- you know, was able to retire the side and get out of the inning without any further incident. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's probably something to be said for okay, now you can't really do too much inside pitching. But I, you know, I think Verlander might have been struggling with his command that day anyway. Like I said, I really do think he was intended to hit Cruz. Yeah. Um, and listening to uh, Dan and Jim on the radio, Jim. Price said the same thing. He said, "You know, you know, these guys had a meeting about this, oh, yeah. and and probably did not give it to Smiley in favor of saying we'll give it to the veteran who's got better command." Yeah, with the with the intention of let's let's plunk the guy. It, it, the whole thing is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. That if you look at uh, look at what happened in that inning when it opened up, Tigers are up five nothing. So now right. we're in a perfect perfect position yeah. to go ahead and throw that pitch. But he faced Adam Jones to lead off, and then Chris Davis. Yeah, he didn't throw it either of those guys. Mm-hmm. He goes after Nelson Cruz. So it's just funny to me, like the selection process. Yeah. Because you know that they had to have picked the the person prior. Yeah. To the to the game, saying, mm-hmm. okay, who's gonna who's gonna get that that inside pitch? And uh, so you, you never know. Like there's there's bad blood between the uh, Verlander and Cruz anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's uh, the thing. You know, Verlander probably went through the line. Go, yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. If, if I get to choose, it's that guy. Yeah. You know, so you have to wait until you're ahead enough to go ahead and throw that pitch and just you know be careful or whatever. But uh, I, I swear he was not supposed to miss him. Yeah. So. <laughs> and obviously after the game, you know, the reaction was very typical of what you would see after something like this and that. Uh, Verlander was asked right out, and, and uh, he was. Did the pitch get? And, and he said, "Were you? You know, I think it might have been. Uh, I forgot who. Uh, John Keating for Fox. I think he asked something to the effect of, were you throwing at him? Were you trying to make a point?' And Verlander said, "No, no, no. Just <laughs> no. one word, no." And no. then he had followed up with, uh, "Was there uh, a confrontation or interaction between you and Cruz after that?" No. <laughs> no. And, and and Brad Osmus, when asked about it, uh, he just said, "It slipped." Like a slip from Bud Norris. <laughs> That's a great answer, isn't it? I mean, just talk about just kind of digging in just a little bit there. Exactly. Well, it was a, uh, that was that Dartmouth man coming out of him right there. That was, oh yeah, that was a great yeah. answer. Uh, so I do, I do wonder though that if if Berlander had succeeded in hitting Cruz, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if that would have changed the way that uh, you know if he actually would have gotten thrown out. He probably would have. I bet you would have, because after the build-up to that, and uh, it wasn't like he threw out his feet, so no, I, I think he no. might have been tossed for that. I think he was aiming for his arm, actually, or the ribs. I think he was really going for the tit-for-tat there, Yeah, yeah. and it just, it just missed. <laughs> and it's, like I said, it's, it's so it's so yeah. complicated. And, you know, in a way, it seems kind of childish. That, well, we've got to retaliate. Yeah. It's this eye-for-an-eye crap that... In, that you could really make the argument the Tigers retaliated by sweeping the series. Right. And, and the thing is, do you think the Orioles will remember this when they play the Tigers next year? Because this is going to simmer for a year now. No, I don't think so. No. I, I think it would be a much different scenario. Again, this is why it's so complicated that yeah. if he had hit Cruz, maybe it still ends there. Mm-hmm. If he had really lost control and accidentally hit Cruz in the face yeah. or in the head, yeah, then this is going to continue on into the you know mm-hmm. into next year or the, the playoffs this year, whatever it might turn out to be. Um, but I think at this point it's it's probably over with. Yeah, yeah. And but that's yeah, you make the point there. Uh, you know, as good as Justin Verlander is, he you know if you think he was trying to hit him, he missed him. 
and very easily could have missed in a different area and, as you said, hit him in the head, hit him someplace much more uh, sensitive, so to speak. And then, uh, you're right, then there's a whole different series of dominoes fall. And that's why I kind of think of it as being childish because you could seriously, seriously hurt somebody with falls. Absolutely. And, and that's why they shouldn't even, even try to get involved with these if at all possible. And yeah, it, it's so much part of the game yeah. that it, it's really hard to envision that not being. I'll, I'll recommend this to anyone who's listening. You know, for our our, our audience, um, there's a book that I just read this this uh, off season called The Baseball Codes um, by Jason Turbo, mm-hmm. and and so he kind of goes through all of the unwritten rules and spends a lot of time on you know examples throughout history of. Um, this kind of thing where, you know, pitchers that throw at batters after a home run. Nolan Ryan did it all the time. Roger Clemens did it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be a very big part of a, a pitcher's, um, uh, what's, what's the word I want, uh, psychological, you know, intimidation yeah. factor yeah. Yeah. that you hit a home run off me, you know, you're not going to get away with it. Uh, I need to establish the fact that I'm a dangerous pitcher, so I might throw at you next time around. Mm-hmm. But that in turn leads to, well, okay, if you're not going to throw at my team, I'm going to protect my team members, so I'm going to throw back at you. You know, so it, it's like I said, it's a very fine line to walk in terms of just paying them back, just getting the eye for eye out mm-hmm. of the way, and not going above and beyond that. Yeah. So if, if Verlander hit Cruz in the face, you know, we've got a whole different situation. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it gets messy very, very quickly, as this situation did, for example. So. Yes. yes. All right. and, okay. Speaking of the fallout from that, there was uh, one odd bit of fallout in that Tory Hunter got touched in the face by an umpire, and <laughs> yeah, right. during the altercation, uh, at, but when Hunter was yelling at Norris and the bench is emptied, and you know, it's, you know, ten seconds later, here comes the you know, the uh, crowds from the bullpen. It's hilarious when things happen. Uh, umpire Paul Nord tapped Tory on the face and it calmed down. You know. Calm down, calm down, uh, or something like that. And there was video of it. It was very obvious. Uh, right. Hunter laughed it off when he was asked about it. You know, he said, "Oh, he was just trying to call me down. He's my boy. No, no, no harm, no foul type thing." But you would have to think the shoe would be on an entirely different foot, so to speak, if it were a player doing the same thing. Because Major League Baseball looked into it, and the umpire was given the benefit of the doubt. No discipline was handed out. Do you think Hunter gets the same benefit of the doubt if he touches an umpire in the face like that? No, he's suspended. Not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's where I don't agree with this. You know, this it's supposed to be hands off. Shouldn't be hands off for everybody involved, not just the umpire. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to um, trust. I, you know, I trust what Hunter is saying. Yeah. If he says, "Hey, I've known this guy for a long time, and, and all he was trying to do is, you know, get my attention, mm-hmm. you know, kind of redirect the thing and say, hey." And what do you say? Something like, hey, T, you're better than this, mm-hmm. you know. And and so Hunter, looking back on it, says, yeah, he's right. You know, it, it, he wasn't being disrespectful. That's my boy, you know. Yeah. He's 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 calling out the better part of me or whatever. Okay, I, I believe him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know that another umpire could have gotten away with that if he hadn't had a relationship with, with Tory Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you like you said, you know, if that were going the other way around. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I wish the rules were a little more um, balanced yeah. <laughs> in, in that sense. Because, yeah. uh, like you said, if it had been Hunter that was patting the ump space and saying, hey, over here, over here, you know, mm-hmm. settle down, settle down, do you think the umpire would have stuck up for Hunter? Yeah. The way that Hunter said, hey, if MLB even talks to me about this, I'm not even going to talk to him. Oh, the umpire's union would have had a shit fit. They really would have. Probably. Yeah. Probably. 
So this is one of those things where, yeah, I, I think, you know, good for the goose, good for the gander. You know, if, uh, if, if Hunter does that, you know he's getting a game or two. Umpire thinks, you know, even though it was meant in a harmless way and, you know, and the player wasn't upset, he crossed the line. You know, there is so a line, there, and there's a yeah. hard line. And you yes. should not do that. And, you know, no, even though it was no harmless, matter, yeah. No matter his intentions, the umpire, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. of, of wanting to kind of distract Hunter, because Hunter was, like, you know, eyeballing Norris at that point, saying, I'm going to whoop your butt, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to open a can of whoop ass. I think the right. words that I, came out of his mouth, if you can I'm going to whoop your ass. That's I'm going to whoop your ass. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I understand the ump is at that point trying to kind of like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, stop, <laughs> you know, come back to reality. Yeah. And you notice Hunter's reaction. Mm-hmm. Immediately, yeah. once once the ump touched his face, he turned back to him and, and said, "You know, what, what, what is that? Yeah. You know, he was a little bit hot, you know, right away. But yeah. uh, there's there's there are ways to diffuse that situation other than sticking your hand in somebody's face, yeah, yeah, and and, and tapping them or slapping them or patting them or whatever you want to call that. And so you're right, that that crosses a line, you know." I think just maybe they should have gotten something. Yeah, and know, if and if it had been a different player, a different player could react a much different way in a very oh more angry way. Just think. Oh, about absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Think if he does that to Justin Verlander, for example. Oh, forget it. Yeah. Well, I mean, shoot. You know, you saw our own Kurt Menching. You know, yeah. said on on Twitter, he said if, if someone slaps my face like that, I'm gonna take a swing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm probably right there with you, man. If mm-hmm. some um, pats me in the face, he's probably going down. Uh, I, and if anybody's in Hookside's league is an umpire, you know, in the little league. Keep that in mind. <laughs> well, I'm fortunate because I'm well into my 30s, and the umpires that we get are always like 15. Yeah, 16. they're all kids. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a, oh, yes, Mr. Hookslide. I'm sorry. It's not even a fair fight at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch me, kid. I will. All right. Um, one other thing that happened in the Oreo series is that, well, the Tigers stole a bunch more bases, uh, and I believe in the final game of the series they stole three, which actually amaz- this is an amazing stat. They have equaled their entire stolen base total for 2013 as of, let's see, today is the, as of mid-May, May, halfway through May, on the 14th, the Tigers equaled what they did for the entire season in 2013 stolen base-wise. And that's a, a jaw-dropping stat. Just And you know, we used to complain about the Tigers being station to station, and you know they couldn't store from, from second on a double, but... That if, if if there's one stat that really shows how this team has been really rebuilt on the fly and very very quickly, that one there is it. And it, it, the Tigers, I won't say are a completely different team, but I think it's safe to say the changes have made them a more complete team, and they're able to win games they would have lost last year. And that stat really, I think, exemplifies that. I think you need to cue the uh, Hallelujah chorus <laughs> for that. <laughs> the Tigers have equaled. There's stolen base total from last year. It's only May. Mm-hmm. And uh, the funny thing about that is that the uh, the single stolen base that tied the total, yeah. Victor Martinez. Victor Martinez, yep. <laughs> what is happening? What What's going on this year? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody explain this to me. Mm-hmm. So I, what do you think, Al, about mm-hmm. the um, the fact that the Tigers this year are obviously a much more aggressive team on the base pads? Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of what comes with that territory, obviously we've seen a lot of – um, two blends, yeah. you know, and players getting themselves run out, you know, um, uh, trying to take the extra base, getting mm-hmm. thrown out second. Uh, Tory Hunter trying to steal third. What, what are Ooh, you doing? That was, well, that was brutal. That was a bad, bad, bad play. But yeah, so, yeah. yeah, the more more aggression means, you know, the, the probability or the possibility at least of more two blends. 
Um, what do you think? Should they back it off? Should they? Is this going to even itself out eventually, or what? What? Well, the, I, I think there's a couple ways you could look at it. All right, uh, and to use a football analogy, not to turn you off. I got to go. <laughs> but coaches would say, I don't mind penalties when they are in the act of being aggressive. I don't like penalties that are at the act of just being dumb. And for the most part, the two plans we have seen have been this is the Tigers trying to be aggressive and make something happen. I think when Hunter tried to take the extra base, you know, when you got Miguel Cabrera, you know, right there, that's that's where you have to kind of rein it back a little. So I think maybe that's where you you have to kind of wonder a little bit. But for the most part, it's working. And when you, and more often than not, when you force the other team to make a very good play to get you on the base paths, I'd say the vast majority of the time, they're not going to be able to pull it off. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the Tigers are, being, are proven right in their more aggressive um, look at base running because we've seen it time and time again. You know, Miguel Cabrera scoring on that, um, on that fly ball to not even deep, no, like not even mid left field on Alex Gordon. I was like, oh, my God, he's running. But he forced Gordon to make a play he didn't think he was going to have to make, and Gordon's throw was Delman Young, like Delman Young right, all over right. again, and it paid off. I think that's where you have to be smart about it, and you have to maybe uh, – I'd like aggressiveness. Just don't – there's like a line that you can't cross. And at times, though, when you do, and then you end up like uh, Nadamba and Sue and trying to kill somebody, when you know, going to the NFL analogy again – but for the most part, I'm for it, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I, and I'm with you on that. I think a lot of the, the mistakes that have been made, Kinsler seems to make quite a few of them, but that, yeah. you know, we've heard from the Texas fans that that's yeah. something they that... They said expect that. And, yeah, expect yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing it elsewhere on the team. You know, obviously, if Victor Martinez is trying to steal yeah. bases, uh, Torrey Hunter, I think that was probably a, a bad call trying to steal third mm-hmm. in that situation, like you said, with Cabrera at the plate. Um, and then a lot of those mistakes were made by uh, Castellanos. Yeah. So some of this stuff you kind of look at and go, it's either rookie mistakes or just maybe getting a little too over anxious. Mm-hmm. I expect that's probably going to, it's going to level out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things where uh, the, these kind of base running mistakes aren't going to cost the Tigers a season. A win or here or there. Sure. But I think they will make up for it and the extra runs they score, which will just add up. Some more wins, because I, I think we, we're all in agreement. There's a few games they've won this year because of that aggressiveness they would not have won last year. And that's that's a huge difference the way this team is built. They are designed to do this now. I mean, you're, doing, you're trying this with last year's team? Oh, God, yeah, we're all having a conniption fit. This year's right, team, it's right. understandable. Yeah, because like you said, last year you didn't have the, the pieces in place. Mm-hmm to even, you know, begin to attempt that. And occasionally they would, you know, yeah. try and take the extra base, and it would always be Prince Fielder yeah. <laughs> getting thrown out of the plate or at third or wherever. Because, <laughs> oh, Prince, how you yeah. doing, buddy? Yeah. Uh, well, that makes for a good segue, because guess yes, where the Tigers are going? And they're going to, uh, this weekend, they're headed to Boston for the first time since, well, Prince Fielder <laughs> was flopping around third base. And, that ugly, ugly, uh, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, are you hoping for any sort of revenge? Because I know that I, more than anybody, I think, on the staff, that on our staff, I think that loss just tore you up. The, 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 just the losing the series the way they did and losing it in Boston. And, you, know, you know what? 
what tore me up more than anything, anybody, I think, on, on our writing staff was, was Fielder's performance throughout the series. Yeah. Um, whether it was the, the, the fielding mishaps, you know, the, the, the foul ball in game two that I thought he should have caught. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. The base running error, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and, but Prince is gone now. Mm-hmm. So there, there's not going to be that kind of, you know, karma related. Yeah. You know? yeah. If Prince were on the team, yeah, I'd say, I hope he hits a thousand home runs mm-hmm. over this series. Um, but yeah, obviously these are the guys that knocked us out of the championship last year. Mm-hmm. And probably shouldn't have, if not for a couple of, you know, well, a whole string of mistakes that yeah. took place and shouldn't have. Um, I will be, I guess, watching intently with a lot of curiosity to see how this reconstituted mm-hmm. leaner, meaner, faster, smarter Tigers team handles the Boston Red Sox because I think they, they look a lot more like Boston now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And uh, it's not as if uh, Boston is lighting things up with uh, this year. Uh, they are currently in third place playing 500 ball in the East. So Yeah, but they're yeah. not that far back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in the East they're not because they're only, I think, a game and a half back right now. And it's also interesting that Boston actually juggled their rotation. Uh, they uh, they moved the rotation around because they wanted, I believe, to get John Lackey a start in this series. He's gonna, I think he's going to start on national TV Sunday night. So uh, yeah. that's interesting that, you know, the, the Red Sox are playing a little into this, like, yeah, we want our best guys out there. Well, so they're taking this seriously. I mean, and they should. They they know the kind of, you know, formidable opponent that Detroit really is. Yeah. And uh, who's going tonight? Is it Porcello tonight? Yeah, actually, I'm bringing up the probables right now. And actually, it's uh, Max Scherzer versus John Lester. Oh, it's Scherzer tonight. Yeah, Scherzer, Lester oh. tonight, Porcello, Lackey tomorrow, and Peavy Sanchez That's uh, on Sunday. So Okay. Yeah, it was Jake so, Peavy. So. I'm going to need to break out the uh, the Max Scherzer face. Well, uh, you might pictures. want to hold off on that, though, because I'm already seeing tweets. Too, too soon? It, no, that is downpouring in Boston right now. Oh, you think yeah. it's not gonna, they're not going to it, play? It's very possible. I've already seen tweets from some of the beat writers saying it's not looking good right now. Uh, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> yes. I Actually, yeah, I just brought up, uh, I think it looks like Chris Ayat just wrote something about that, as a matter of fact. Rain threatens pitcher's duel. <laughs> so there <Great>. you go. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Because, so, you know, we have so much free time in the schedule right now. You know? Oh, God, yeah. Cause, yeah, because the Tigers are still a good, probably four games behind everybody else in Major League Baseball when it comes to games played. So Yeah, four or five at least. Yeah, and that's my that's, – I guess that if there's one other thing we can to kind of be concerned about this team is that there's going to be times this year where the Tigers aren't going to need a six-man starting rotation. They might need a seven-man starting rotation because yeah. there might be some doubleheaders and stuff piling up. Let's not go there. Yeah, <laughs> not yet, anyway. But, that, again, that's why this big cushion they're currently building may come in a great deal of hand uh, a couple months down the line. So, how, I mean, how are you feeling about the series? The, uh, the upcoming mean, series? I'm not yeah, worried. I don't get series. worked up about this anymore. I, well, no, I don't mean worked up or worried about it, but, like, you know, are you just, like, really praying for destruction? No, that, you know? no. I, 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 I'm, I'm past the point where I feel like, uh, I want revenge for what the Red Sox did to the Tigers last year or anything like that. I want them to win, yeah. But I don't yeah. think if they get swept, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to mean a damn thing in the big scheme of a season. It's just how baseball is. Uh, it's you know, it, it, I'm, I'm always you know, right now I'm just like, just don't get swept. Win a game, get the hell out of Boston because weird things tend to happen in, in, in that weird field they play yep. in. Yep. You know, so 
I'm I just you got to keep expectations in check because yeah they swept Baltimore but they got kind of lucky in doing that as well. You're not going to live by ninth inning two out home runs. And Boston is a good team. Tigers are a good team. They're going to be a very even series. If Max Scherzer gets hit hard, that happens. You know if Lester gets hit hard, that happens. It's not going to change what happens on Saturday and Sunday. So no, I'm going to lose Boston. I hate them. <laughs> but if, if, if the Red Sox do well in the series, I'm not going to let it ruin how I feel about the Tigers at all. No, the Tigers did fine against the, the Red Sox last year in the regular season. You know, it wasn't like they were being, you know, manhandled by the Red Sox. And I guess that's – I probably feel the same way as you, just in the sense that the, the key players in the championship series last year that, that kind of made the difference mm-hmm. are, are not there anymore. Jose Veras isn't there. Joaquin Benoit yep. isn't there. You know, obviously Peralta and Fielder, you know, they're not there. So it's like these are two different teams going at it now. You know, how, how can you even begin to play revenge games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, revenge games. I seem to be. I think they fit better in the in the scheme of a of a sport where there's less games played. Uh, right. And, you know, and when you're talking, you know, the Tigers going to play 162 games, and they're going to play a lot of games against different teams. Uh, if you're looking for revenge, you're, you're going to be so chewed up inside every time you play somebody that you're going to you can't perform. Right. You know? Like I said, it's, it's, it's not going to make any difference. Mm-hmm. If, if somehow we were able to get Joaquin Benoit back on the mound against David yeah. Ortiz and get him to strike him out, yeah. then maybe you get some you know satisfaction mm-hmm. or whatever. But at this point, yeah, it's just the Tigers versus the Red Sox, and I happen to like both teams. So, you know, what, what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and that's I guess. We do have to remember that baseball players are—they are taught to whatever happened in the last game in the last series. You let it go. You move on. Tomorrow's another day. You can't let it affect how you go from here. And that's how I think we have to look at this Boston series. No matter what happens, it's all about the Tigers winning the Central Division. And no matter what happens in, in this, these three games in Baltimore or the rest of this road trip. I really don't think it's going to affect how the Tigers are going to do in the division in a big, big way. Even though I think the remainder of the road trip, yeah, that's right, they go to Cleveland for three games. So that should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah but that actually should be fun because uh, who's, who, who's the tribe got pitching at this point? I don't even know. That's right. That's I don't think they know right they? now. So, uh, you know, I also found it interesting that uh, uh, Gosman, the, the prospect that was called up to face the Tigers, got sent back down. From uh, the right. Orioles, uh, Kevin right. Gosman. So, uh, I guess you got. I guess goes to show also that sure thing prospects are not a sure thing, and uh, especially when you go up against veteran, very, very, very good teams like the Tigers. All right, let's wrap up this podcast. I'm surprised we're able to get, uh, once again get this much uh, talk out of this little <laughs> that one topic, so to speak. Well, when you got as much hot air as I yeah. you and know, I have. <laughs> I Oh, yeah. If we had Kurt around, he'd be shutting us down. So. That's right. Yeah. i got to go pee. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Oh, what the heck. Let's let's talk about uh, Greg Eno. Ah, okay. Because these, these last two pieces that he wrote, I, I've been kind of, like, chuckling. I, I like what Greg is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, remember how I said, though, you know, it, it, that uh, I don't have a problem with, with people who are, I think, that I disagree with. Yes. But as long as they're optimistic. Yeah. In, in the stuff that they're saying, it's, it's when you start ragging on my team and being pessimistic that I'll, I'll get a little bit irritated. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm kind of like enjoying what Greg has been saying, because last, last week he had the Tigers clinching the division by June. Yeah. 
which I thought was a little overly optimistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree they're doing well. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then this week I saw he had a post up that uh, was comparing VMart to Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. And uh, declaring that that uh, VMart will probably win the the MVP this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure where you shake out on on those predictions, but uh, boy, it's nice to have some of that that over the top optimism. You know, in, in contrast to some of the comments that we get, like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, there were people I saw complaining on Twitter about the the game against the Orioles when Cabrera hit that home run. Mm-hmm. While the rest of us were celebrating. Yeah. You know, there were people actually complaining and going, well, it's a good thing, you know, because this offense has just not really been consistent. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, bring you know, bring on the optimism, man. Yeah. This, this, I don't think Vmart's going to take MVP. I don't think the Tigers are going to clinch by June. Yeah. but. Man, this is a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the very least, or at least right now, Martinez is, uh, you know, because you always see these uh, articles posted uh, by the big sites. Martinez, at least right now, would have to be mentioned if you're talking about league MVPs just because he's been so crazy good at the plate. But DHs aren't going to win MVP awards. That's just how no. it is. So. No, it's it's going to come down to Trout. It will be in the running again. I'm sure Cabrera will be in the running again. Yeah. That's you know an act of faith on my part, I suppose, because yeah. he's Cabrera. He's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see Vmart being in the in the conversation when it comes to MVP. Yeah. But you know what? Let's hope he continues with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's, he's at least bound for the All Star game at this rate. I voted for him. Yeah. You know, I'm mm-hmm. looking at the list of DHs and saying that's that's your best bet right there. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and I'm surprised Eno has actually been this optimistic because I have I've known Eno a long time. I actually, when I first started writing uh, online back in 2006, he was one of the first guys who um, uh, who touched base with me and encouraged me. You know, because because you know, he actually has a background in uh, in TV and uh, with magazine writing. So. Uh, so I've known him a long time, and 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 uh, and do famous. I also do a podcast of Greg every week that we right. talk about everything else. We don't also talk about Tigers baseball. We get our rant on about other sports. But uh, I'm actually surprised he's so 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 up on the Tigers right now because this is a this is a guy who was uh, who was pissed at Miguel Cabrera a couple of years ago oh, wow. and, ca- and caught a bunch of grief over saying he was underperforming or something to that effect. Okay. Yeah. Well, so Greg you know, like, seems to have uh, these wide swings when it comes. Say, like, he likes, he likes to ride the emotion roller coaster. Yeah, well, there's a reason why we call our podcast the knee jerks. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing about, about Victor Martinez, though. Mm-hmm. And we were discussing this. Our uh, G. Wilson, yeah. you know, the site posted that trivia yeah, question. The, the site Sage, I guess we could call him at this point. Yes, yeah. yes. The man who has access to all of the Tigers' data going mm-hmm. back to when Noah got off the ark. Yes. Um, was was asking the question because Vmart has a little over – his home run to strikeout ratio is, is more than one. He's hitting more mm-hmm. than one home run per strikeout right now. Right. Uh, nine home runs, eight strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And so the question was, you know, what was the last Tiger to do that with hitting more than 25 home runs on a Thursday when there was clouds in the sky or whatever <laughs> the, the question was? I looked at the whole franchise history, mm-hmm. and there are only uh, two players that ever finished a season with more home runs than strikeouts, and that was Ty Cobb and uh as Harwell would say, Garinga. Yeah, so one from the dead ball era when you could win a home run title with 10. Right. And obviously, Charlie, Ger- Charlie Geringer is uh, one of those Geringer players who belo- he belonged on another planet. He was that good. Yes. He did it with, like, I think, 19 home runs to yeah. 17 strikeouts. See, that's impressive, if you ask me. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, so I'm, Especially now, in that era where there was some elevated offense as well. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so now I'm keeping an eye on Vimar going, do you think he averages around 50 Ks per year? Mm-hmm. So, and he seems to have really, his eye has gotten so sharp at the plate. I'm actually stunned when he strikes out, period. So give me your hot take, Al. Mm-hmm. If, if Vimar is going to finish average around 51, 52 strikeouts this year, does he have it in him to actually hit more home runs than that and, and become the next you know, name in that in that uh, stat category to join Cobb and Geringa? Uh, I would say this. I would be thrilled if uh, Victor Martinez hits 20 home runs. <laughs> he's, he's not a power hitter. He never has been, never will be. He's a great gap-to-gap hitter. He's a guy who can pretty much put the ball where he wants it. And, I, you know, it would be one of those things, uh, if he ends up coming close, say 20 and 20, I think that would be awesome. But I don't see uh, – he's in one of those streaks right now where no one can get him out. There's going to be a, uh, a streak, as you've seen already with Miguel Cabrera, where it looks like anybody's going to be able to get him out. So, you know, it's great to think about. But realistically, uh, I think Ty Cobb and Charlie Gariner will remain – a uh, list of two. Okay. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll put you on the record for that. <laughs> a list of two. So, all right. Uh, let's wrap up this podcast. So, Hookside, where can the listeners and readers find you online? On Twitter, uh, almost exclusively on Twitter, at HooksLideBYB. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did set up an email address. I have no idea why anybody would ever want to email me there. <laughs> but if you really want to, it's hookslidebyb at gmail.com. All right. And, of course, you can find me, of course, on Twitter, at BigAlBYB. And, of course, you can find us both at times, depending on the day, depending on the game, on the at Bless You Boys account. Usually it would be myself, Hookslide, Rob, or Kurt, or Melissa, depending on who's available when. So with that, though... Uh, and, of course, you can find us online at Bless You Boys. Pretty much me every day, hook slide, whenever he's in a creative mood. And that has been a lot lately. You've been posting quite a bit, to be, actually, be honest with you. I'm surprised at the amount you've been cranking out lately. Um, well, yeah, it, it, I'm not going to give away the trade secrets, but a lot of that stuff I write in bursts. You know, I'll sit down mm-hmm. and write four or five articles at once and mm-hmm. then kind of schedule them up for the next month so yeah. I, the tank is empty right yeah. now and I need to get back <laughs> on the horse so yeah well I could I wish I could write recaps in groups of four or five and, and, and take four or five days off but you could try yeah I could yeah yeah it might well, it would be interesting uh, attempt but uh, I don't think that would work very well I don't think they would be too happy either if the Tigers win and they get blown out ten nothing so <laughs> you know I post a re- I'll just post a recap at six and see what happens but <laughs> go for it man yeah really all right and uh uh, of course, I mentioned the other podcasts that do, The Knee Jerks, with uh, myself and Greg Eno. Be on the lookout for that. Find it at the usual places, specifically iTunes, along with this one. And you can obviously find the Bless You Boys podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere where podcasts are downloaded. All right, with that, let's wrap things up. So, until hopefully this time next week, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good luck. Hello, it looks like. Michigan, With no offense to my little league team, screw the sock. Michigan, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I can do nothing but agree with Hook Slide on the next Bless You Boys podcast. <laughs> That'll get him out of the old ballpark. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.